What would you do with the with the dead animals, Jeff? Take them back in the woods, uh, skin them sometimes, uh, slit them, slit them all the way open, uh, look at the organs, feel them. Can you describe what no, you were thinking? No, I, I was, I was. It was just mystifying to me how how the insides of the animal looked. Uh, there was a sort of ex uh, general excitement for me. I don't know why. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you're listening to Sick and Wrong. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm on your host, E. Simon. Hi, I'm Kate Rambo. Hello. Kate Rambo. Uh, yeah. The question on uh, everyone's minds is, did your Facebook account get deleted this week? It, I'm still on tenterhooks waiting to see what will happen. But they haven't. So wait, the, the Facebook Gestapo didn't get back to you yet? I've still not been contacted about if my Facebook shall be permanently deleted. But for some reason on Safari, like the lamest web browser ever, it let me let me try and get one step further into my account. And then it showed me something that I put in the Def Hags group ages ago in June. They were like, we have, we are banning you for three days and we're deleting this. And it was a link to like a Black Dahlia autopsy picture. And I was like, what's wrong with that? And then I realized, oh shit, yeah, of course. She just fully got her vag out. Because <laughs> you don't think about that. You're just like, oh, it's the Black Dahlia dead. No, she's got her vag out. Wait, so you got busted in the past for posting, I guess, a naked corpse photo of the Black Dahlia? Yeah, and I didn't even think about it. But now I'm getting busted for something much, much worse. Well, I mean, <laughs> in all honesty, you did get busted for posting child porn to the sick and wrong Facebook group. Seriously, it's not, this it's Monday not child porn. Okay, hear me out. Monday, I get, I wake up, I get this notification from Facebook, and it says, "This is what it says: a Facebook user." shared a post in the group that went against our rules on child nudity and sexual exploitation of children. And Facebook took it down. And I'm looking at this like, immediately I assumed it was one of the cretins, you know, that, 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 that are members of that sick and wrong group. And then I look at it and said, admin violation. <laughs> so it was an admin of the group. And the only admins of the group is myself and Kate Rambo. So then I'm like, oh, my God, Kate Rambo posted child porn, CP, to the Sick and Wrong Facebook group. But it's vague. They, they won't show you what, you, what, the, what they posted. They just remove it, but they don't yeah. show it. I only managed to find out which meme they were referring to because, again, Safari showed me it. I don't know why Safari is They're like, oh, yeah, we'll let you into these secrets about what you've done. I'm going to post exactly what meme it was on the Patreon so patron users can see the meme. But I'm just going to say, at no point this child pornography, it's a JonBenet Ramsey meme. It's not offensive in any way. It just says the word <laughs> sexy, and then there's a picture of JonBenet. But that's all I'm going to say. You have to go into the patron to see it. Put it this way, people. It was too horrendously vile of an image to even show a pixelated preview in Facebook. Like, I'm in the admin section trying to manage the page being like, you know, the group quality section, I'm just like, what's going on? The group has issues. And I'm like, 
Oh, because one of the admins is posting CP. Child you know porn. What's, what's funny is if it's not child pornography, but if they decide to delete my account because of a picture of JonBenet Ramsey, that means that somebody who works at Facebook thinks JonBenet Ramsey is sexy. So really, where does it end? Where does it begin and where does it end? Well, we'll, we'll post the, 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 the original meme, which isn't one that actually, didn't you find it from a, a listener in the Discord group? Yeah, uh, lovely Stuart who rings in all the time about his transsexual father. He put it in the sick and wrong Discord. And I was like, oh, that's really funny. Like, when's the last time you saw a good JonBenet Ramsey meme? Fired it in that group. And do you know what Stuart said? He commented on the picture and he said, if I had to put it up, I would be banned for this. And do you know what? His words have bitten me in the ass. Well, that's what I'm saying. Stuart at least had the sense not to post it. But Stuart's not an admin of the group. You are an admin, so you were completely shirking your responsibilities as a protector of the virtuous, naive members who had no idea the filth that they were about to gaze upon when they logged into Facebook that morning. I mean, many of them lost their innocence that day, and they'll never get it back. You really think there are innocent people that listen to this podcast? Those poor, unsullied, virginal listeners, you know, this, this past Monday were viciously forced to gaze upon child por- porn by a person that they trusted, Kate Rambo, an admin <laughs> it's, of the group. It's not child porn. It's a JonBenet Ramsey beam. I mean, my God. I, I know she got killed because she was sexy, but it doesn't make it child porn, does it? Well, you're like, can you email Facebook? There, there, there's no, it's like a void. There's no phone number you can call. There's no way to even really contact their support. I did. I thought, you know, I, I went in and I was trying to defend my fellow admin, first of all, because, you know, I, I didn't want the, the whole page to be taken down. Um, but second of all, it's, it's really not, you know, I, I think it's, all, it's the algorithm that's being a little bit too strict. Yeah, because I got done the week before and I had like a 48 hour. I had to like disagree with their decision because I put up a picture of um, who's the guy who shot up Batman? What's he called? Adam Lanza? No, no, no. Adam Lanza was Sandy Hook. Uh, What was that guy? The the ginger. Yeah, the joke guy who shot up uh, Batman. I put up a meme of like relating to him and the bots took it down and I disagreed with it. They were like, this is hyper violence. So the bots are just out for me at the minute. (laughs) I I don't know. I'm assuming there's probably like a printout in the Facebook office. It's just like, look at watch this person's posts. You know, and it's just a picture of your face and your, the and the the account name. It's just like, don't trust her. She posts I'm child a, porn. She's a grave desecrator, and now she's gone a step further. Did, I might as so, well just go and dig up the bones of Jean Benet Ramsey at this point. Yeah, and like masturbate with them. I'm sure you'd post a picture Ew. of that too. No, um, I don't like blondes. <laughs> I'm putting that out there. I don't like the blondes. Okay, I like the darks. The, the did uh did you dispute? the band like did you try to like argue with them or at least contest it i've put it in and now all it's saying is like they're gonna review it they've got 30 days to review it but because of covid they might not be able to review it so like yeah my account might be deleted but in some ways i'm quite happy about that because when i restart my account i'm not gonna add a single member of my family that's it for me and them. I'm just completely cutting myself off from them. That's it. No more family on Facebook. It's yeah, but just going to be. You could always delete them. It, no, it's different, isn't it? When you like start a new Facebook. I'm not adding family members. That's it now. It's last call. 
God, I don't know. I think you're like uh, one of like the 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 most wanted. You're on the uh, <laughs> you you are like I think you're on their like watch list or something. You know what's funny as well because I started my Facebook like I think most people started their Facebook in like what 2008 2009. The email address I had attached to it. I couldn't even remember that email. I was like, holy shit, I've not, it's like, you know, hearing about an old friend, you're like, I've not heard that name in a hundred years. I was like, I can't believe I was ever in a band called number one, the Chloe Bones, and number two, I can't believe that's the email that I was using back then. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm sure people aren't surprised at the shock that I had to, you know, that I experienced when I found out that uh, my admin and my wife is posting child porn to the uh, Sick and Wrong Facebook group. And then Once this again, week, it's not child porn. And then this week, I read about someone else who's also a child porn enthusiast. Um, <laughs> Nathaniel Bar or Nathaniel Levi Bar Jonah. Um, and uh, yeah, he's a, a, a convicted child molester. Are you Sus- comparing me to him? Suspected serial killer <laughs> and like 300 pound cannibal who was serving a 130-year prison sentence without the possibility of parole uh, in Montana after being convicted of kidnapping, aggravated assault, and sexual assault of various children. That's someone who would be posting pics of child porn to Facebook. Yeah, real ones. Real ones. I posted a meme. Like the meme people are coming for me. I'm not allowed to post. Reddit only now for the memes. Facebook Gestapo. Well, anyway... We're going to talk about, uh, I'm just going to call him NBJ. <laughs> We're going to talk oh, about NBJ in a second. <laughs> but first, I just want to give a quick uh, uh, big ups to all the people on the Patreon who support the show. Yeah. Um, you really keep it going. You're the ones who uh, are keeping it sick and wrong. I mean, to, I think in all honesty. On the Patreon, well, I think they're very sexy people. Personally. Well, to be fully transparent, the reason I'm doing it, it still is, is for the Patreon. Um, but you know, you, you, you sign up for the Patreon, and, uh, you, it's not like you're just donating money. You get something in return. Uh, you get a full second show that we do every week. Um, a companion show to this, this fine main program. Uh, this week on, uh, on a second show, we chat about my sister's trip to Hawaii, uh, for Jer's birthday. Apparently Ozzy had a bit of a shitty, um, accident. So, uh, we'll, we'll be talking about that. Um. Calaman terrorized some kittens next door at my my neighbor. I don't think he's allowed back. Um, uh, yeah, the yeah, look we'll, on that cat's face, as I think most people when they see a sphinx, they're just like, <laughs> "Holy shit! What is that monstrosity? What the, is it?" The the cat was uh was, was petrified. Um, also, we talked about the status of uh, Kate's visa application. We got some bad news this past week. I'm telling you, we should have gone on 90 Day Fiance. You well, there's still there's an even longer wait. For the K one visa, we would we wouldn't even be married yet if we were waiting for the K one. And we also talk about a guy who uh, was busted dealing human body parts online. That's the thing. The second Old show, fun. we get a little crazy. There's no boundaries. You know, there's no safety net. It's personal. We talk about personal things. It's a bit more saucy, and that's only five dollars a month. For a few bucks more, you get sick and wrong overkill. Um, which is our, uh, our our mini episode that comes out every week, as well as uh, access to the Sick and Wrong archives, which is the first 10 years of uh, Sick and Wrong. Wackily and Harrison years, to be honest. So sign up today, patreon.com slash sickandwrong, and, and uh, yeah, uh, support the show. Give it a little, get a lot. Um, moving on, 
Let's talk about uh, Kate's doppelganger, <laughs> NBJ, Nathaniel Barjona. Before we get into this uh, sod-busting tale, I will. I do have to give a little... I hate using the term trigger warning, but that's exactly what I'm going to do here because there is so much child violence in this, and it's straight from the get-go as well. Like, uh, Nathaniel doesn't just turn 18 and start murdering kids. He's, like, doing it from when he was a kid right now. Yeah, he's so a vile vile creature oh, like I, yeah. I don't I, I think kind of unparalleled when it comes to serial killers i mean we've done a few child killers but he's terrible yeah and i think the reason that m- maybe most people haven't heard of him because he is quite he's modern too or most people don't know about him is because you can't market child what he did you can't market and sell it in a pretty bow on netflix or amazon or sky telly yeah, you know, I thought that was kind of odd because I was, you know, searching YouTube for clips and things like audio clips to use uh, for this this show. And yeah, there aren't really many documentaries about, you know, Nathaniel Barjona. And I think it's for that reason, because he's just such a, a vile child killer that I think it'd be difficult for them to market it. I mean, they had that Gacy doc that came out on Netflix. Yeah, but Gacy's a bit different. Like, he was like a sex killer. I get the feeling that Nathaniel Barjona was doing it for a bit more than sex yeah he's a sexual sadist but a a pedophile sexual sadist yeah Yeah. on a cold february morning in 1996 when i was 11 years old oh actually uh early february i was about to turn 11 and you were 21 you would you were legally allowed to drink at this point yeah i think i was yeah 21 yeah, if you're 10 years older than me. Black and white telly was also a thing when you were a kid, when you were 11. <laughs> we didn't even have telly. We just listened to the radio. <laughs> 10-year-old Zach Ramsey, he left his home in Great Falls, Montana to walk to school. He had made this journey countless times. But on this morning, he would never arrive at school. School is forever out for Zach Ramsey. <laughs> Clam chowder-eating police sprang into action. But little did they know that they were about to investigate a real-life American monster, scarier than the Mothman, the Skunk Ape. The Skunk Ape is my particular favorite. And Bigfoot, although Nathaniel Barjona, he's going to share traits with all of these cryptids. You, Nathaniel is a large man. But I was oh, yeah. wondering, is he bigger than Ed Kemper or Bob Rodella? Height-wise, I think he's about six foot. But I mean, like, size-wise. I've, I think I give the stats for him for how fucking big this man is. Like, he's like if Elvis and John Candy were in the same like sack of flesh. Big. He's a sodbuster for sure. Well, he's like, huge. I mean, probably over three hundred pounds. Yeah, Nathaniel Barjona. He was born really uh, David Paul Brown. He's the youngest of four children, and he was born on February the fifteenth, nineteen fifty-seven, bringing shame upon Aquarius men forevermore. Just like you do. He's an Very Aquarian, true. like you. He was from uh, Worcester, Massachusetts, which, after Boston, is the second largest city in the state. It's actually Worcester. 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 Oh, like Worcester here. Yeah, Worcester, Massachusetts. Oh, right. Yeah. Is there a Worcester? Pennsylvania, and is that why I'm saying it wrong? No, oh no, I'm thinking of Westchester, you... Pennsylvania. Yeah, you're thinking Westchester, but you pronounce this Worcester, Massachusetts. Yeah, like in Britain. All That's right, where Wackerly went to grad school. What did he study in uh, Worcester? I don't know if he. I think he did graduate, but he engineering or something. But I remember like all those schools up there. They call them like the five sister schools because it's like all like. There's a bunch of colleges that are all female, but they're all lesbian schools. And I think Wackerly (laughs) went to a lesbian school. 
Is Sarah Brown one of them, or am I just yeah, thinking of Yeah, I, th- I like think Sarah Brown's one, too. I don't really know that area of the country. I've never actually never been to Massachusetts. Uh, so it's also home to the Harvey Ball smiley face, which is a, featured on Forrest Gump. We also know that uh, he invented, Forrest Gump invented the phrase, have a nice day. And uh, Forrest Gump also invented AIDS. Forrest Gump, not Tom Hanks, who is actually the head of an elite pedophile ring. <laughs> I thought know. Jenny gave Forrest AIDS. She's, a, she's also a vile creature, that Jenny, devoid of any moral compass. Just willfully passing AIDS to the intellectually disabled. People, when they talk about movie monsters, never include Jenny from Forrest Gump. And to me, she's like top five tier, most horrific people in a film. Jenny. Yeah, no, she's terrible. Yeah, I mean, she like gave, uh, she's worse than Scar in The Lion King. She like gave, gave uh, a poor Forrest AIDS. A disabled man. AIDS. AIDS. Um, one of my favorite uh, lines from Forrest Gump, and it does come into my head quite often, like more often than it fucking should, is when it goes, when it goes and she taught me how to dangle. It just <laughs> comes into my I've remembered it my whole fucking life. Did you ever see the porn version of uh, for the porn parody of for, Forrest Gump, Foreskin Gump? Oh, well, I, thought, I would call it personally Forrest Pump. No, it's Foreskin Gump. Foreskin Gump. Forrest Pump has got a better ring. I'll see if I can find a copy for Christmas, maybe, for you. I would appreciate that. Thank you. We should watch it on the the second show, and we'll do a review of it. A review of Foreskin Gump? All right, maybe we'll do Foreskin Gump versus Edward Penis Hands. Like, which one's better? The classic Flash Gordon, which I have seen. Wait, Flesh Gordon? Flesh Gordon, yes. Sorry, I did say Flash. (laughs) (laughs) Merciless Ming. I'm going to call Nathaniel Nathan throughout this episode because it's much easier for me to say and it will just stop any confusion. Not much is known about his parents or his early life until he's about seven year old when he gets the seven year itch. We all know that he was a totally normal child from a totally normal family because he was given the ever so friendly child game of a Ouija board for his seventh birthday and realizing its potential at spending seven minutes in heaven with a local neighbor girl, he did just that. And he lured a five-year-old girl into his basement. What is it about basements and people luring them in? It's a basement thing, isn't it? Perhaps. What I'm wondering is, what is it about parents who give their seven-year-old a Ouija board for their birthday? That's what I'm giving Ozzy for Christmas, the Ouija board. That's a good idea. Yeah, see? It's a totally normal present for totally normal kids. <laughs> This game went wrong like a game of Monopoly usually does, and it ended in tears as uh, Nathan tried to strangle the five-year-old. Nathan's mother, she heard the screams. She rushed, rushed down to the basement. She was probably in her like house dress with her hair and curlers. She probably had like red lipstick on, whacked up to the gills on goofballs, because this is like the early 60s. She was smoking a cigarette. She had really long ash at the end. Can you imagine her? I can imagine her. Yeah, I picture She's her as a mother's little helper. Just her hair she's, and curlers. She's just huge as well. She's a sodbuster too. She's just fucking huge. Wearing a muumu. She's got a muumu on. She broke up the attempted murder. No one knows if any punishment was laid down, but because this was the early 60s, his dad probably had fought in Korea. He probably had a war flashback and he probably hit him with the belt a couple or like maybe 20 times in the bathroom. Yeah, that was normal back then. Totally. At the same time, his beatnik teachers at school were noticing odd and very disgusting behaviors in Nathan. So, right, they'd noticed this in class. And I am choking back a little bit of vomit here because Nathan had 
uh, taken to picking open scabs on his arms and then eating the scabs and sucking on like the blood from the self-weighed runes. I know there are scab pickers out there listening to the show right now. And I want you all to know that I think you are worse than, than Nathan. What Nathan's about to do, you're worse. People who eat bogeys and people who eat scabs. Disgusting. People who pick scabs make me want to Ugh. barf. You know, the other day, um, I went into the office at work because they're trying to get us to come back to the office. And I've been going no. once once a week, usually on Wednesdays. People. And so I had to deal with this IT guy because I couldn't connect my, uh, my, my laptop over Wi-Fi. And this IT guy was picking a scab, like this giant scab on his elbow, the whole time while I was talking to him, and then typing on my keyboard. So he would pick the scab on his elbow and then start typing, uh, you know, to try to get an internet connection on my keyboard. I was disgusted. I was so grossed out by it. And then he didn't eat it. You know, he didn't eat the scab. But still, after he handed me back the keyboard, I was like, do you got any laptop cleaner wipes? Do you you get something? So I could wipe this thing down. He was just like, uh... All right, here. And he went in the back and got me something, and I was just like, I disinfected the whole fucking thing. Scab pickers, bogey eaters, they're the people who started the COVID. Yeah, I, I agree I, with that. Disgusting. So during those hazy days of the halcyon of scab picking and eating Ugh. youth, Nathan was blossoming into a really, really fucked up person. And it was six years later when he was just 12 that he would commit his next act of extreme violence against another child. It's apparently always winter in Massachusetts and he promised a six-year-old neighbor boy that they would go sledding. So Nathan is kind of like Dennis the Menace, but instead of like a a slingshot in his pocket, it's his pecker and he's going to sling it into a young boy. This young boy that he rapes. Nice analogy there. Is that what got your Facebook account deleted? It wasn't child porn. It's a (laughs) meme. Sure. It's a meme. Maybe this is why I'm not getting my visa. Because <laughs> you <laughs> I spread lies. I wouldn't be surprised if Facebook reported you to the U.S. government. You're spreading lies about me. It was a meme. Later during Nathan's confessions, he says that he first contemplated murder at the age of 15. And that's just like everyone's favorite cannibal, Jeffrey Dahmer. And the two do have quite a lot of similarities. Although I find Jeffrey kind of adorable. Yeah, I think you're definitely more attracted to Jeffrey than NBJ. I think most people are. Like, Jeffrey's kind of cute. Everyone, I think everyone has a special place in their hearts for Jeffrey Dahmer. But I wonder if Dahmer would have thought uh, NBJ's a sicko because he's into little kids. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of serial killers would have said. You know, like how they all have a mini rivalry with each other. I think they all would have hated Nathaniel. I think it's funny that these killers have, like, this moral hierarchy. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, you're still killing people, but since you're fucking little kids, you're a sicko. Totally. Um, I was reading that uh, Brown, NBJ here, had not been abused or neglected during his childhood or teen years. There's not, I mean, there, I couldn't find much about his, uh, his upbringing other than what you already said, but he hadn't been abused or neglected by his parents, so you can't blame it on mommy like you can with, like, Kemper, you know? Um, yeah. But he did endure a measure of mockery at school because of his morbid obesity and homosexuality. So he was already having gay tendencies when he was in, like, middle school. Was he, like, coming in when people were like, so who's your favorite band? He's like, I love Liberace. Was that (laughs) that him? Uh, Maybe. Maybe he was also trying to rape little kids. That that could be the other thing that that ticked him off. 
<laughs> so when he was 15, this is 1972, he got chatting to a couple of boys who were out riding their bikes. He tried his best to persuade them to follow him to a local cemetery where he fully intended to murder them. These kids, they had like their spidey murder sense. Uh, they realized that Nathan had more nuts than a fruit loaf and they just sped off on their bikes. And the tubby Nathan just like shook his fist into the air. I imagine he was ruining them, but he's going to have his fucking revenge. I'm picturing like uh, Leatherface at the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre just with his like his uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. that chainsaw just in the air just kind of spinning around ball. just like, damn you. <laughs> um, I read that no by 15... He was cutting out words from magazines to compose notes by which he would he would try to entice boys to meet him for sexual purposes at the cemetery. Like that was one of his spots. That's yeah, because that's not terrifying when you receive a note that's been cut up of loads of individual letters. Not terrifying at all. I will kill you. Everyone needs a hobby, all right. I will admit I've I've done that in the past. Not sending like deaf notes, but like I used to when I used to like write my friends and make them mixtapes and stuff. I would do like collages. So yeah, I've cut up a magazine or two in my time. Would you Who include hasn't? little pics of naked children? It was not child <laughs> porn. It was a Jean Benet Ramsey meme. Okay. Sure. Okay. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> <laughs> when Nathan was seventeen, D, he was arrested for the very first time. He was dressed up as a police officer. This is an act that would later become part of his MO. And he made eight-year-old Richard O'Connor, you can't get more fucking Irish than that, who was walking to school, get into his car, and he drove off with him. He pulled over to the side of the road. He begins to sexually assault uh, Dick O'Connor, but he had him parked in a very secluded place because a nosy neighborino, a woman who should have been in the kitchen making her husband a sandwich and planning that evening's blowjob. She was peeking out of her window. She was rubbernecking and she saw the shenanigans going on inside the car. So she rang the lobster roll eating popo. And when they showed up, Richard O'Connor was still alive, but he had been beaten. He'd been bloodied. He had shit and pissed his pants. He had been sexually assaulted and he had been strangled almost to death. Oh, harsh. This isn't. This is coming up on the first of the dropping of the bollocks. There's so many bollocks dropped in this film, in this film, in this uh, like story. It's insane. It really is. I mean, just like outright failures of our institutions. <laughs> it's mental. So he, he's, he's been caught red and raw pod. He didn't get convicted. He just gets slapped on the wrists. He gets a probation sentence because, you know, he's just a confused young man. He'll grow out of it. It's the 60s. Telly was still black and white back when there wasn't internet. There wasn't even fucking Blockbuster. You know, who can blame him? He's just trying to get some jollies. Well, you know, by 17, you'd think he'd be tried as an adult. It's the 60s, man. Well, is it the 60s? Yeah, it's the 60s, 70s, early 70s by this point. And I think they also kind of, as soon as you introduce like homosexuality and pedophilia, I think the police are so Ooh. like disgusted. They just kind of want to step back and be like, all right, we don't want to, we don't want this in the community. Let's just not, let's just hush, hush, not talk about it because we live in a very happy place and things like this don't happen here. No. Well, he's not going to take his probation very seriously. Just a couple of months later, just a few days before he graduated from high school, again, he donned his police uniform, which wasn't taken away from him, and he drove to nearby Hartford, which 
All my knowledge of Hartford I have is from watching Gilmore Girls. So I know it's very, very posh. It's well to do. So he's wanting to step up from the ladder, right? He's not wanting to just abduct Irish boys anymore. He's going to posh boys, which I kind of get. It's kind of like, you know, I shagged the, like, my way from the bottom of the ladder to the top. And that's what he's going to do as well. You know, it's a, it's a stepping stone. The Irish boys were like the gateway drug to bigger and better things. Exactly. We've all been there. I did shag an Irish guy once. No, two. Two Irish guys. One was called Moon. Moon? Moon. His parents was, were hippies. I was about to say, like, was he a hippie Irish guy? He was a hippie Irish. Hmm. This next time in Hartford, he abducts a nine-year-old girl. During the rape, she was... So distressed, obviously, she began vomiting and having a fit. And he solved this by just driving up to the side of a road and throwing her from the car. This girl, she survived, and she went on to become entitled Pop-Tart millennial Rory Gilmore from the <laughs> Gilmore Girls. You know, did you ever, you know, I, I never watched that show, but my ex was super into it, and she watched them all in order. And I remember Sebastian Bach from Skid Row yeah, he's was in on the that band. show. Yeah, he was like on the band, but he became like a character on it. He did. Uh, yeah, I've watched all of Gilmore Girls, but I had like a small Gilmore Girls, like watching them all. But it's a very entitled TV show. And when they did the remake, I like I got physically offended by it. it oh, wait, they did me. a remake, a remake of it, or is it like a reunion show? Yeah, it was like a reunion to like catch you up to speed. And I mean, Rory Gilmore, we, we were talking about Jenny from Forrest Gump. Rory Gilmore is one of the most evil television like characters of all time. She's just such a shit. Wait, did you she give slap her? Did she give Sebastian Bach AIDS? N- no, I think Sebastian Bach has been dodging that himself throughout his lifetime. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he got it from Tommy Rory Lee. Gilmore. Uh, people who've seen Gilmore Girls will know exactly what I'm saying. The show is all about Lorelai. It's all about um, Jesse, and it's not about Rory. I wish uh, I wish uh, Nathaniel Barjona was a character on the show. It would have been a lot more interesting. <laughs> it would have been way more interesting because, you know, they make jokes about the BTK in that show. So it would be funny if Nathaniel Barjona, this sodbuster who they all thought was a local weirdo, turned out to be doing what he did. <laughs> and they love eating in that telly show, which is going to come into play later. Again, because Nathan uh, Nathaniel, he's a fucking loser. He's not very smart. He was spotted by a nearby witness. And the, this witness even went to the extent of writing down his license plate, or his reg number, as we call it here in Blighty. But somewhere along the way, the information was lost, and it never got back to his probation officer. He was released from his parole in May of 76, and he even received a letter thanking him for his cooperation during his parole period. It's insane. Just such, such an institutional failure. Like, I, I'm amazed at things like this, like glaring things. I mean, he abducted a nine-year-old girl. And, then, and it, that slips, slips through the cracks, goes unnoticed. It gets worse is all I'm going to say. So it's now 1977. Punk is in. Elvis is out. And Nathan Barr Jr., as he was soon to be renamed, was out and about noncing. So in the words of the Wu, you've got to hide your wife, you've got to hide your kids. Nathan is coming for you. Because he kidnapped two more boys. This time from outside White City Cinema in Shrewsbury. I'm thinking that these kids saw Star Wars. And then he asked them if they wanted to see his lightsaber. That's were, what I'm picturing. Were these boys teenagers or were they boys? Boys. <laughs> it's always boys. I think they were Young checking boys. out Saturday Night Fever. To be honest, it's totally come 
one, it's totally Star Wars. You yeah, probably. Star Wars. It's like the only film. I would have done a double done. feature. Star Wars first, then Saturday Night Fever. And then go That's hang some... out with the big fat sob buster. Who wants to show you his lightsaber and his Jedi mind trick skills. He's kicking it up a notch. He's judging it up because no longer is he just donning a police uniform. Now he's posing as a member of the FBI. And from here, he drove them to an isolated spot where he molested, strangled, and like flicked his cigarettes out on them. This is what he's doing for kicks. Wait, so did he have like a fake FBI like badge or something? Like, how did was he wearing like a black suit, like Men in Black? You know what I'm imagining? I'm imagining he had. Um, this is a great. I actually always thought this was a great Halloween costume. One of my mates did. She went out with a duvet on. And then she had um, the T-shirt that said "Federal Booby Inspector," and she was a federal federal booby inspector undercover because she's got oh, the DNA on. Undercover. Wow, that so, works on many he's, levels. Because he's a sodbuster, I imagine he's got the T-shirt that says "Federal Booby Inspector." Well, he's got boobies. Oh yeah, bigger than mine. That's for sure. And we are going to get talk now about. Because if anybody, we've obviously been reinforcing the idea that this is a sodbuster of a man. He's the exact opposite. He looks like uh, one of the FBI agents who was maybe left in a donut shop overnight and he left no witnesses alive inside that place. <sighs> Nathan Barjona weighed over 375 pounds. It's about 26 stone for the metric crew. And he had an insatiable appetite. And all of that's going to come into play later. Literally, this is another thing he would do, throwing his weight around literally. He began jumping on one of the boy's chests until he thought the boy was dead. And he just left him there at the scene of the crime and he took the other boy with him. But once again, because Nathan isn't the sharpest knife in the nonce drawer, the kid wasn't dead and he managed to get back to town and describe his very recognizable and very well-known assailant. The cannoli-eating cops, they soon closed in and they found Nathan and his car and the other boy was inside of the trunk. So did a uh, flat Stanley over there pick him out of a lineup? <laughs> like, I mean, how, how do you get caught? Like he must've brought the kid in and was just like, it's that guy. Yeah. It's funny because there's really not much about Nathaniel Barjona. Like I said, because he's doing all these terrible crimes about kids. Nobody can market it. People aren't wanting to release books about somebody who's done all this horrendous stuff to kids. I even was looking for like court transcripts and it was really difficult. Even newspaper, all the stuff in the newspaper, because I read newspaper articles for when I write these, you have to pay for all of them. And I'm a cheap English person. I'm like, I'm not paying to read. I don't I, pay you to read. I found a few articles on Murderpedia, but that were that actually came out at the time. Yeah. But they I all kind of said people. the same thing and they sort of didn't really delve into any details. But, th but this is insane. Like, I wonder, do you think that kid ever fully recovered from being like stomped on by this 375 pound sob buster? You know what I think actually probably saved these kids is because they don't have bones like adults have bones. Their bones are like quite flexible and like malleable. They're not like strong like steel like ours are. So that probably helped save them. Because if brittle. your bones are breaking into your organs when they're not fully formed. Well, why did he only jump on one of the kids? He probably jumped on the ugly one. I was about to say, he probably jumped on the one he didn't fancy as much. <laughs> That's when he left there. And then he took the one he liked. This time, the kid, Flat Stanley must have like fingered him. You know, <laughs> not like that. He must have fingered him down at the police station. You know what I mean? Because uh, Nathan was convicted of attempted murder and he received the maximum sentence of 18 to 20 years in prison. However, he's not going to be caged up for very long. 
this is one of those things where I think maybe Nathan isn't as dumb as we think. And maybe sometimes his like search for lust just takes him over because after several talks with the prison psychiatrist, he kind of worked his molester magic and he spilled his guts about his deviant fantasies, which involved child rape, murder, and ultimately he wanted to try cannibalism. So he was recommended to be sent to the Nut House, and that's where he went. He went to Bridgewater State Prison in 1979, and he would spend 12 years here. You know what's kind of insane about that is Dahmer, you know, he was actually caught, you know, cannibalizing people's corpses and like yeah. doing experiments with people's skulls and brains and all this. You know, and there are eyewitnesses that said that, but yet he couldn't go into like an insane asylum. You know, he didn't get to go to a mental health hospital. They put him right in general pop. How did that? I can't believe this guy escaped that. Well, I mean, this is the 70s. And when Dharma was uh, arrested, it was the 90s. So yeah. say like different things had happened. But I think maybe Nathan cast a bit of a spell on the psychiatrist who was just like, holy shit. He looks like, so charming, that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nathan, who Nathan's the type of person who you definitely know was a heavy breather at all times, kind of like a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, like you can always or a pug. <sighs> They're oh, always yeah. like that. And I also could, heavy breather for sure. That, that's the thing. When, when you think about this guy, picture him wearing his his fake police uniform. It's like, yeah, sure. There are fat cops, but not that fat. I don't think I've ever no. seen a morbidly obese, like 375 pound cop before. He's pretty standing out there. He probably wouldn't have stood out as much if he just wore like his regular, I don't know, gray jogging suit that's covered in sweat, <laughs> dark gray. Oh, he stinks. You know he stinks. Inside this, uh, inside Bridgewater, he would keep coded diaries. He made friends of a big old hunking mute Indian. And he had another friend that looked just like Danny DeVito. Can I say Indian? Does it have to be Native American? Yeah, well, because I think to avoid you know the confusion, I mean. because are you talking Slurpee Indian or, or a Casino Indian? In the film, they call him an Indian, you know, in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, but he's so a I Casino Indian. Indian. I'm just saying it's like you can confuse people because they might think you're okay. talking about like a person from India. He made friends with a big old honking mute Casino Indian. Uh, he did macrame as therapy and he more than his fair share of Boston cream pies. On March the 22nd, 1984, he officially changed his name to Nathaniel Benjamin Levi Barjona. And I'll tell you why, D. He told his friends, family, and hospital staff that he changed his name because he wanted to know what it felt like to be discriminated against as a Jew. Hmm. Years later, during a television interview, he stated that he himself was Jewish and he wanted his name to reflect that. So Nathan now falls into the Jewish serial killer category where Harvey Gottman, I've covered him on uh, the Patreon before, and most famously, David Berkowitz are. You know, I read that he was a convert. So by Jewish law, by halakha, he's not a legit Jew. Oh, okay. Because he didn't slip out of a Jewish minge. That's true. And I don't think they did the fancy thing where he got dunked in the uh, the pool. Either. Yeah, he like, just pretty much was like, I'm going to have a Hebrew sounding name and now I'm Jewish. Doesn't work like that, you fat fuck. Yeah, he needs to be dunked in that. I don't think they could have made a pool big enough for this man to convert him. Can you imagine if that was your job, <laughs> converting him in the pool? Gross. Yeah, I don't know. They'd have to do it in the ocean or something. <laughs> he is a land whale, so it would have made sense. Later that same year, in 84, Nathan was clutching shekels and not young boy's testicles. Superior Court Judge Walter E. Steele, not related to the good John Steele of Bay City, Michigan, 
He ruled that Massachusetts has not proven that Nathaniel was actually a dangerous criminal. Nathaniel was granted release under the conditions that he move out of state. He's going to be sent to Montana to live with his presumably fat and unattractive mother. His mother was probably a lot like Ed Kemper's as well. And he had to seek continued psychiatric help. Once again, another glaring example of institutional failure. I mean, this is this is almost just like out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. It's just like we're going to just that's what they were doing. banish you from the community so I don't have to deal with you anymore. Before he'd even made it out the door of Massachusetts, temptation struck. He spotted what he thought was a very sexy seven-year-old boy sitting in a parked car. He forced his way into the car and he tried to smother the boy by sitting on top of him with his fucking huge gun. I know he doesn't have a cunt, but he's got a gun. This man has a gun. He's practically all gunned. He's 100% gunned. The boy's mother saw him, and so he's arrested. He claimed he had gotten in the car to get out of the rain, but later he did admit that he was trying to kill the boy. None of this affected his probation, and he was still sent to Montana. (laughs) What the fuck? Just insane. I do love the alibi, though. It's just like, oh, it was raining, so I just opened this car door and sat down, but I didn't see the kid (laughs) sitting there on the chair. I'm too fat to even see my feet. You think I saw that sexy seven-year-old? Well, it's probably been like 15 years since he's seen his own dick. I don't think he's ever seen his dick or his feet for his entire (laughs) life. He's just a fat fuck. Great Falls in Montana, hello to everyone who lives in Montana, is tucked between majestic mountain ranges surrounded by miles of wheat and cattle farms, and it's part of the real old Wild West. So it's no stranger to like a history of violence. Great Cronenberg film. But neither the old fashioned drunken shoot 'em ups or the newer ravages of crystal meth madness prepared anyone in Montana's second largest city for the sod buster with sausage fingers that would use kids as his bread buns. Nathaniel Bar Jonah. He arrived in nineteen ninety one and it didn't take long before he was back up to his old tricks. The justice system, in yet another bollock drop, didn't follow up with probation officers in Montana. And so Great Fo- no one in Great Falls knew who he was or what the sod buster was even up to. But I think, D, we all know what he was up to. Oh, yes. And in his remaining years of freedom, he would molest, murder, cannibalize, and cook the young boys of Montana. That's his M.O. One of his victims, we were saying before, was 10-year-old Zachary Ramsey, who left his apartment around uh, 25 to 8 on February the 6th, 1996, to go to school. He took his usual route, and he was wearing a blue denim jacket with green sleeves, a blue football jersey with his last name on on the back of it in gold letters, stonewashed jeans, and black high-top sneakers. So he's pretty fly for a Montana guy. Yeah, he's quite fashionable for uh, Montana. Yeah, I think he's dressed cool. You know, I read that uh, his full name is Zachary Xerxes Ramsey. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> That's a fucking awesome name. More power to him. A family who lived in an apartment on his route to school, they saw Zach that morning. They also reported that they saw an off-white four-door car almost run him over. Another witness on this route saw Zach standing in the alley that he would usually cut through to get to school and said that he looked like he was waiting for someone. Another witness who lived at the end of the alley said that they saw Zach looking distressed with a very obese man following a few feet behind him at around quarter to eight, 7.45 a.m. 
The obese man was reported as wearing a navy blue police-like jacket. Someone else reported seeing Nathaniel standing beside a dumpster in the alley at quarter past 7 a.m. So he's in this alley fucking waiting. Yeah, but I mean, it's just funny the way he's following him. It's like being chased by Grimace. <laughs> Like, I mean, like, how fast could he really move? That, that's the thing. You'd think this kid would just, like, take off. You know, it made me think, have you ever been followed by a pervert on um, foot? No, yeah, not to my knowledge. But the difference is, dear, that these are 10-year-old kids, and if somebody's coming up to, if an uh, adult, you've, you're always told as a kid to, like, you know, you've got to kind of respect your elders. And if an adult's coming up to you saying, I'm from the local police department, we know you've done something wrong. You've got to come with me. I'm pretty sure that 90% of kids would shit their pants and be like, okay, I'm going to go with you. Stranger danger. I think the but first thing I would when say, it's if, the you, police. if you've learned anything from rap music, it's fuck the police. <laughs> oh, yeah, a 10-year-old. A 10-year-old who really <laughs> listens to his hip-hop would know this. Obviously, this is also different times. In a, yeah, that's true. But it's the 90s. I mean, I have you ever been? I have. Been, oh, actually, I do have this story from childhood. We used to hang out at this local park called The Wreck. It was just like an open field, really. There was a couple of swings and like um, a slide. It wasn't much. It was mainly a big, just a big open fucking field. I'm like six or seven here. There's a group of neighborhood kids. And there used to be this guy who would come down, no matter the weather, in a leather vest, a cut off leather vest, right? And jeans, he was completely bald. I no do shirt? forget his no shirt, just a leather vest, no matter the weather, and jeans. And he'd be like, usually on his way to the pub or whatever, it'd be like 6 p.m. at night. He had no thumbs. And he always used to come and show us that he had no thumbs. And maybe this is where I get my love of like autopsy Wait, pictures. I don't know. But he could have been thumbs? a diddler. How is he going to? Well, I guess he could diddle you with the other fingers. But what happened to yeah. his thumbs? I can't remember. All I can remember, remember is he would come by regularly, stride up to all us kids, no matter what we were doing, and just be like, you want to see my thumbs? Obviously not in that accent, but we'd be like, yeah, we want to see your thumbs. And he'd be like, I ain't got none. <laughs> and then he would just walk away. Was it a thumb wrestling accident? I, I don't know. If only I could time travel back to those years. And I'm sure he told us the story. And maybe, you know, maybe I am disassociating. And maybe he took me behind, like, the you know, the side of the, it was like a little social club there. Maybe he took me behind the social club and showed me what a no-thumbed hand could do. And I just can't remember. Maybe because he diddled you, they cut his thumbs off. Like Saudi Arabia or something. Is that, is that the <laughs> yeah. law up in Cumbria? Uh, well, yeah, I am from a small town. Have you ever been followed by a pervert? Well, I know you went to school with plenty. <laughs> plenty. But I remember when uh, I first moved to uh, Bay City, Michigan, and people that uh, – I have a you know, few uh, people I went to high school with that still listen to the show. Steel might remember this too. I shouldn't bring it up. But I remember hey, like the community had like a warning about a person that uh, was passing out Smurfs from a blue car, <laughs> like the little Smurf figurines. They called it the Smurf Mobile. And so he would like – come up to kids and it's like it was i forget what like a blue gremlin looking car or something it's like a small car and he'd pull up or a pinto is a blue pinto or something and he'd pull up the kids and his whole dashboard had smurfs like super glued on the dashboard and he so did. he'd pull up the kids and be like hey do you want a smurf get in and apparently he diddled a few kids and so no every sense. all the parents were warning you about the smurf mobile i Honestly, never saw the Smurf mobile, but I remember just thinking like, that's so much more effective than candy. 
I don't know if it is because I never liked the Smurfs. And if like a Smurf mobile pulled up to me when I was a kid, I'd be like, no, I, I don't really, no, I'm not into Smurfs. You're okay. I don't know. I think it's cooler than just being like, hey, do you want this Snickers? I'd be like, I don't trust you, you big fat sob buster trying to give me a Snickers. That's but true. if you gave me a Smurf, I'd be like, sure, let me get in that uh, front seat. Because I'm on my health kick at the minute. I haven't had like chocolate or anything in, in like what? two and a bit weeks i would i would be diddled for a snickers right now <laughs> putting it yeah, out there most of the diddlers in our school were employed as teachers so in, <laughs> yes, our, in our community when i was a kid so we know that zach disappeared somewhere in the alley none of the witnesses saw where and zach has not been seen or heard from since a judge has since declared that zach has been legally dead in 2011 and this is despite his mother's objections that that is kind of insane too. Like reading about this story, so the mother, Zach's mother, um, had never given up hope that her son is still alive, and she continued to buy clothes for him for two years after he went missing, and would still keep uh, Christmas gifts that she bought for him. That's really fucking sad. Isn't that sad? Isn't it? That is like, just so sad. I just picture the tree just has these like unwrapped Christmas gifts. You know, these they're still like fully wrapped. I mean, fully wrapped Christmas gifts just under the tree that will never be touched year it's after always, year. It's, I love going to cemeteries. Me and you go on holiday just to go to cemeteries. But it's always the saddest part when you get to the kids bit. It's always the most like eerie part. And you walk around and it's got all the toys and everything everywhere. Oh, yeah. The kids cemeteries, especially in, in your town in Cumbria. Like I'd never seen anything like that. Like. They, I mean, they had this whole section of the cemetery that were for with with like little kids stones and like all these toys, and it's just yeah, it's it's very sad. You know, what I'll do. I'll go there sometime and I'll take pictures. I'll put them on the patron of the kids creepy kids cemetery. Sure, you'll get get your new account on Facebook deleted. <laughs> deleted. It wasn't child porn. It was a meme. Okay. I don't want. I don't want to see pictures of you desecrating children's graves. <laughs> my god right local authorities they didn't know nathan he wasn't even on the radar for the disappearance of zachary ramsey so the case landed on the desk of detective bill belushi and i know his name sounds like steve buscemi but it's all i could picture it was like bill murray meets uh steve buscemi like just like merged into one person i'm picturing uh john belushi john belushi like yeah but names are spelled a little different hmm. this is like belushi belushi with a s S-C-I. There's no H. Mm. It's probably said different. Who cares? So him and his team, they hunted for Zach in nearby parks, rivers, and playgrounds, but obviously there's going to be no sign of him. They followed a few false leads, and Belushi eventually stumbled across information that would take him to the human land whale that is Nathaniel Barjona. He was actually well-known in his own neighborhood for collecting toys, and he enjoyed having yard sales where obviously the local kids would all attend because he's selling nothing but toys. His former fiance, how this guy had a fiance is hard to believe, but I highly doubt she was a Miss Montana. I think she was probably more like a prized heifer from a local cattle farm in Montana. She said that Nathan would spend the majority of his time in the garage, which was a paradise for children. It had scores of dolls and collectibles lining the walls. It's a child catcher's paradise, all right? And it also goes against my point that if you're an adult and you collect toys, there's something kind of mentally wrong with you. Very creepy. I mean, it is hard to believe that this guy had a fiancé, but then again, I don't know. It's Montana. There's a lot of lonely people in Montana, apparently. 
yeah, there's probably like, you know, for every one woman in Montana that is vaguely fuckable, there's probably 50, 50 cows. I'm thinking she was some somewhat disabled mentally. I mean, to, to, yeah. to stay with a guy like this. But I read some uh, some neighbor, a neighbor's actually in the, in the area, said that Barjona was surrounding himself with children, which is very troubling, thinking his nah. about his history. Like, you'd think the probation officers would be like, yeah, he shouldn't be allowed to live near an elementary school, and he should not be allowed unsupervised with kids. But... um. He had held these big garage sales at his home, specializing in the kinds of toys and games that young boys you know, would be into. He also was active in a local church group where he would like encounter young boys as well. Young boys. What kind of toys and games attract young boys? Is it just like violent games? You know what it is? Um, True Crime Kent talks about this a lot on his podcast, but it's, you know, the, the old fashioned game where it's the ring and the stick. That's a boy's game. You know, you ring run down the, the road with the ring and the stick. Where you like throw the stick up and you catch the ring on it? No, you. It's like a. It's like a, a wheel, isn't it? It's like a, a ring, and you make it run, and then you keep it upright with the stick. It's like an old Victorian game. It, that's a boys' game. Oh, okay, yeah. I guess from like Charles Dickens' times. This is like the nineties. <laughs> yeah, that's that's These a kids boys' are game. Playing what else with is like a... I don't know Transformers or something. There could be Transformers. That's a boys' game. Although I played to Transforms because I had two brothers, so I had no option. Uh, Jim Chiapetta, the neighbor who would report Nathan for trying to sexually assault his own son, said that common sense told me something wasn't right with him. Grown men usually don't have a bunch of little boys around all the time. Good on you, Jim. You're very correct. And I think Jim would agree that adults that collect toys are just automatically pedophiles. I think well, Jim's on record here. I'm suspicious of any grown man who collects toys. I don't even care if they're like expensive Marvel collectibles or something you bought at Comic-Con, like anime figurines. It's weird. I think it's weird to be a grown, a, a grown adult and have toys. I will sit here and say that I do have some like Judge Dredd collectibles. I have some Bruce Campbell collectibles, but it's not my whole fucking life, nor is it my whole fucking world. They fall into my other collection. People spend like hundreds of dollars on these big statues and things that they that they have, you know, like, displayed. Some, I mean, whatever. Teach their own, but I still find it a bit weird. One neighbor later told reporters, it's just terrible to think what was happening. I used to say hello to him once in a while, but I didn't think about him one way or the other. I mean, how many neighbors we've all got neighbors like that you say hello to and then later on they turn out to be this horrific beast. Yeah, never I, realized. I wouldn't let my kids hang out with this guy. Uh, why would you ever let your kids go to this sodbuster's house? I'd be like, you're not going there because he's fucking, he's so fat, he might eat you. Well, as it turned out, I'm a better parent than some of these parents. Well, I would have, I would have just been like, no, look at that guy. He's fat. You know, he's a mouth breather. <laughs> he's got toys and he's like an adult. You're not hanging out with him. Definitely not. Accusations about Nathan molesting kids that he had been babysitting or being inappropriate with at the yard sales made their way to the local bison-eating police, but there was no hard evidence, so the police hit a dead end. Meanwhile, Nathan, who had been working as a senior firelator, bouncing from one fast food joint to the next, he was the hostess with the mostest. He would regularly invite all his neighbors over for barbecues where he served up homemade burgers and chili with what he said was young, tender venison that he himself had hunted. Sure. Hunted without the gun, 
that he didn't own and the gun license that wasn't in his own name, apparently. A female neighbor complained to Nathan that his food was so repulsive, most specifically the meat. Nathan was so offended by this comment that he sought out and molested her own child. <laughs> I've kind of got to give like, <laughs> I mean, that's really funny. I mean, that is a, a very creative revenge technique. Isn't um, it? But yeah, it's true. Neighbors recall Barjona bringing them like meals, like spaghetti, stew, chili, and pot pies with very strange tasting meat. So uh, one of his neighbors, Debbie Coates, um, who Barjona had met in 1996, said that he told her he'd killed, butchered, and wrapped the meat all by himself. Sure. Would you, would you ever accept food off this fucking sob buster? Because I wouldn't. I'd be like, you have sweated into this food. I know you have. You know, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, most of the listeners know I'm very particular about the food I eat. But if some big, fat, sweaty, mouth-breathing sob buster is like, here, I got this unidentifiable meat stew... Why don't you have some? I'd be like, get off my property. I, I'd, I'd go get the shotgun. on the plate. That would be yeah. it. One Christmas, he went over to his neighbor's house and he had with him the spaghetti and meat sauce for everyone. They said that it tasted peculiar and that the meat was unfamiliar to them. And Nathan just said that it was out of season venison that had been in his freezer knocking about for a while. It was in 1999 when things began to unravel for Nathan. He was seen loitering outside of school, dressed like a policeman, carrying a stun gun. And it was because of uh, Detective uh, Belushi, whose nonsense told him that Nathan was up to no good, who pushed for his arrest for impersonating a police officer. With Nathan sitting and definitely breathing really, really heavily and sweating, he sat in the interview room at the station and Belushi rushed to get a warrant cleared so that they could search his house for items relating to the charge, and obviously, he's going to walk into the house of a noncing cannibal horror show. That's what well, he's going to find. Did he live with his fiancée? Like, was she in the house, too? Or did he live on his own? He had a succession of roommates, which I was mm. kind of shocked by. Nathan wasn't much of a housekeeper. I mean, the man washes himself with a rag on a stick. I think he's hardly throwing around the Henry Hoover on his days off. But first, the police found more clothing that proved he had been impersonating various members of law enforcement. So this meant they could get a warrant to like continue searching. And it was from here that they found his wank book. This was a scrapbook, and it was filled with pictures of young children cut out from magazines, various Polaroids of children in various stages of undress, and pictures of his own tiny chipolata sausage stick, all just in this book. I wonder where that's ended up. Some murder memorabilia site totally has that now. Yeah, I bet I you can find worth. it online. They also found his coded journal, which was sent to the code crackers at the FBI. And perhaps most importantly, they found a tiny fragment of bone, not much larger than a baby's fist. It wasn't a baby's fist. I'm just like using that as a size comparison. I don't actually know how big a baby's fist is. I imagine it's not much smaller than mine because I have tiny child hands. Don't they have small fists? I've seen Ozzy. Tiny fists. Yeah, uh, a baby couldn't knock you out, could it? Doubt it. No. 30 of them might be able to. The, the FBI would spend ages, months, trying to identify the dead child that this bone belonged to. And as of now, the bone is still unidentified. Detectives found a list of boys' names, 22 names in all. And surprise, surprise, the list included eight well-known previous victims and Zachary Ramsey, followed by the word died. 
along with several newspaper clippings about the disappearance of Zach. Several of, of, of the other boys on the list Nathan had met and known for his affiliation with the local church, and some of these names are still not accounted for. What a cunt. No, it's the insane old- that he had that much access to uh, to, to, to children. Kids. They also discovered the word Tita in his apartment, which led detectives to the disappearance of James T, a Massachusetts boy who had been kidnapped on August the 23rd, 1973, but his body was discovered on August the 25th, 1975, off of Route 119 in New Hampshire. During autopsy, it was revealed that he had been raped and strangled, which we all know is how Nathan does away with his victims. Did he jump on the kid's chest? Probably. (laughs) Inside his kitchen, they found a hook and pulley system, and at least one victim that was molested by Nathan in his apartment was strung up and hung for autoerotic asphyxiation. Weird wanking being something Nathan would do with frequency, but sadly, he never choked on an orange during one of his sessions. Also, they found a meat grinder and a wooden board with knife marks slashed deep inside of it. Yeah, th- this is what I find so bizarre. Like the guy had roommates, and his roommates didn't find this a bit strange, a bit unnerving that there is a meat grinder and a-, a large piece of plywood that was smeared with a wide and in- like indelible stains. I mean, and, th- and when they found this this plywood, this uh, this wooden board uh, that had like knife marks and stains, they could tell that it had been repeatedly scrubbed with bleach. So he was definitely trying to cover up evidence there. Um, mm-hmm. Lab tests indicated that, yeah, the board had like, you know, knife, like gouges with a knife. So, I mean, he obviously cut up the kids on this board. So his roommates, were they just so stoned and oblivious that they walked in there and was like, oh, yeah, you know, he's fat, kind of weird. What but- you... What you cooking, good looking? <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder if they actually ate any of his cooking. They will have, because I imagine that all of his neighbors ate uh, ate whatever he gave them. Even if it was just out of politeness. This is why I, like, I don't, you know, I'm not a polite person. If somebody brings me something and I don't want it, I'm not going to eat it. But I think in Montana, people are probably very friendly to each other. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Nathan, one of Nathan's former roommates um, said that he found clothes in the apartment that matched Zach's, and he'd also found a pair of bloody gloves at around the same time Zach had disappeared. He had many roomies because, you know, who could live with that guy for very long? And several would come forward and say that Nathan would frequently bring up Zach in conversations. Like he would just turn it around to be about Zach Ramsey. Yeah, I wonder if that's why he had many roommates. Because as soon as he started talking about raping, molesting Ugh. boys, I wonder if they're like, okay, I'm out of here. Yeah, they just rolled their eyes. This again. Dude, I just wanted to talk about what happened on Twin Peaks this week. It doesn't have to do with Zach Ramsey. Get over it. Montana police, they booked Nathaniel on kidnapping and a sexual assault charge. And it would be his actual coded journals that would be his downfall. Like, killers. I just, I know they all have egos. But, like, stop writing shit down. Just be like the Vikings. Have a good memory to remember all your, like, it's always, they always write stuff down. Like, must go to Walmart and pick up bleach. Like, just don't do it. You know, honestly, I'm surprised he even used a code. But, you know, like Bob Berdella who I mentioned before, when police found his diaries, they deciphered the code of shorthand that Berdella utilized while logging the events that took place with his victims. Because he was, you know, he diligently logged everything that he oh, did, yeah, well, we, but he used his weird shorthand code. Well, we talk about that in our Bob Berdella episode where he's like, used carrot, 
512. Yeah. <laughs> Use Courgette 512. He had this like kind of weird shorthand, like crude shorthand style. But uh, police were able to like easily determine that BF represented anal penetration with penis, while FINGF stood for finger penetration. Oh, finger fuck. Yeah, finger fuck. Yeah. And there were dozens of references to F in various fashions, such as carrot F or cucumber F, which meant that Berdella inserted cucumbers or carrots into the the, the, the men's rectums. Um, But that's why I wonder, like, how complex do you think NBJ's code was here? I did, like, there's only one picture I could find of his, like, a a, a shot of his journal with the code in it. And I think it's probably one of those things where if you are into, like, breaking, like, enigmas and stuff like that, you probably can do it easily because it had every 26 letter. It was just, it did appear to be, like, backwards to me when I looked at it. Hmm. Yeah, I I just couldn't imagine it be too complicated to crack, you know? No. In his journals, and yes, real men do keep journals, he detailed how he had abducted, tortured, and murdered several boys, but he hadn't stopped at that. He turned his victims into meat and then into recipes. Despite being a fat fuck, he had actually not made any significant grocery store purchases for nearly a month after Zach had disappeared. But you could just say that's because he's a fat fucker who only eats at, like, what? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. I, I picture <laughs> you know? him just going and stopping at 7-Eleven, getting, like, those 7-Eleven, like, rotisserie oh. hot dogs. Yeah, those huge drinks. What are they called? Big those gulps. Mass- getting a big gulp and, like, five hot dogs and just, like, demolishing them. Yeah. I could see that. The meat grinder that we talked about that was found in his apartment, that was covered in human hair. It also had tons of bone fragments inside. And getting creative in the kitchen with his invented recipes, he titled them all. So here's some of his titled recipes. My little kid dessert. Little boy pot pie. Barbecued kid. I like this one. Sex a la carte. This is a good one too. French fried kid. Little boy stew. And my personal favorite, lunch is served on the patio with roasted child. It's like this. I want to open a serial killer restaurant, and this will be this will all be on the menu. But yeah, definitely lunch is served on the patio with roasted child. That's like when you know when you go to a five star restaurant and they read out the specials to you, and they're all very evocative. That's one of the specials. I think that's going to be the 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 name of my next uh, noise rock album. I agree, but none of these were uh, Nathaniel's favorite meal. His favorite meal was simply titled "Gay." blade and i was trying to decipher what a gay blade could be and all i can think of is he means a small child's pickle yeah right? i'm, I'm wondering what's blade. in the gay blade well a blade has to be a penis maybe i was thinking be? i was picturing roller blades you know fruit boots well you're you're much more innocent than i <laughs> i was like a blade is a dick totally um, so we had mentioned that notebook that he had, but so the notebook and it, it had like names of it. I mean, you mentioned 22 kids, but there were like hundreds of names of kids in this notebook. Was it Macaulay Culkin, Devin <laughs> Sawyer, <laughs> um, was Corey Feldman. <laughs> the lead prosecutor on the case against MBJ, Brant Light, said there were lists of children that you could just turn page after page. He's like, over 3,500 pictures of youngsters. Wow. I mean, so this guy just had notebooks where there's pictures of kids cut out of annual school books and newspapers with names underneath. 
as if he was collecting baseball cards. That's real nonsense, isn't it? That's just absolute nonsense. And police also found in his house as well stun guns, stun batons, police badges, police patches, and a realistic toy revolver. Probably beats my Avon gun. Glass <laughs> bottle I have in every picture ever. When the news hit the neighborhood, I imagine many had sleepless nights, the wondering about the gray and strange meat that they had imbibed. Ugh. Others may have thought that they would have actually liked another bite of a Bar Jonah burger. They've tasted the forbidden flesh now. Nathan denied all charges because, of course, he's a fat piece of shit coward. But his guilt was undeniable by this point. During his trial, numerous witnesses gave evidence about their encounters with the prolific sex offender. We talked about her before. 36-year-old Mary Patron, she gave evidence that he was the man who had abducted and assaulted her when he was dressed as a police officer in 1974. She didn't become Rory Gilmore. She became Mary Patron. However, the statute of limitations had expired, so he couldn't be charged with this crime. But it added to the testimonials about what a giant piece of sod-busting shit Nathaniel Barjona was. Um, encouraged by all the media reports. So once you know the media started reporting on uh, Barjona's arrest, all of this. Um, a young Native American boy came forward to tell police that Barjona had lured him along with two other boys to his home. And once there, he had hung this boy from a lighting fixture and masturbated as, as the boy lost consciousness. Um, but what's interesting is he almost always targeted young black or Native American boys because he allegedly believed that they and their families would be less likely to report his activities to real authorities, which probably, you know, makes sense. I bet you that's true. They probably, it, I mean, yeah. I'm sure these, you know, these minorities probably didn't trust the authorities either. And yeah, I kind of get it too. It shows that maybe he's not as dumb as we think. And I think... And I think when he does get caught by, like, witnesses or neighbors, it's just because his absolute lust takes over in a way and not necessarily that he's dumb. I think he probably could have covered his tracks better, but he was definitely conniving. In a sad statement about what Massachusetts had unleashed against Montana, several of his witnesses felt relieved that he didn't take violence to new depths of depravity out on them or turn them into a pot pie. They were really shocked when this came out because now they realize how probably fortunate they were that they were just molested and played this bizarre game, the strangulation game that he likes, said said the Cascade County attorney, Brantlight. The kids are scared he's going to get out. I think this has been a horrendous crime. The community wants us to do our jobs and make sure he never walks the streets again for once. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's a literal boogeyman, this guy. Like, right. it, you know, as a parent, you could be like, yeah, you know, don't get, accept candy or pot pies from strangers. Nathaniel Barjona, remember what happened with that guy? You don't want to end up like that. And it's like, yeah, I would, I would be scared shitless. I do think it's funny how he says they want to make sure he never walks the streets again. Because in my mind, this guy can't walk very far anyways. And he's on one of those uh, spazzy wagons. His little amigos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is it you've got a name for them as well? <laughs> Um, just... I don't know. We call them amigos here, but those like little fat guy trolleys. Yeah, the, the, we just call them spazzy wagons whenever you see them. Nathan was charged with the murder of Zachary Ramsey, despite his body never having been recovered. And they knew it would be tough to prove that he had butchered and served him up to unwitting neighbors. But they had the coded journals. They had the eyewitness reports. Usually eyewitness reports are worth nicks. But in this case, there were so many that it proved to be the bulk of the prosecution's evidence. 
One example that the fat man killed Zachary is that during the investigation, they found that Nathaniel had access to his mother's off-white four-door 1978 Toyota Corolla, a great car, on the day that Zach disappeared. And on that day also, Nathaniel's mother and brother were out of town for a funeral. And it was also discovered that Nathaniel did not work on that day or any of the preceding days after. Because, you know, he's butchering a young boy and turning him into pie. Or so a he must have been... named Dish. Well, he must have been friendly then with the, uh, the, the mother. Well, he's... Yeah. That's who he originally moved out to Montana to be with. Oh, did Zachary t- Zachary's mother? No, his own mother. Oh, no, I'm Daniels. saying... Daniels. Oh, he had access to his mother's off-white. His okay, own right, mother's, right. yeah. No, I, not Zach Ramsey's. That's what I thought was like <laughs> Zachary's uh, mother's. Okay, I, I was getting confused there. But the point I'm trying to make is I'm amazed that th- this guy could even fit into a Toyota Corolla. They're not very big cars. I'm surprised he could fit into any car. He's huge. Well, there's like, he can fit into like an Escalade. There's some like big, you know, or a Hummer or some of these big SUVs that they drive around. But a Toyota Corolla, I mean, he must have taken up the entire front seat. Both I imagine, yeah, I imagine when he got into the car, just like the suspension just dropped to the ground and yeah, he's like riding shifted. it on the gears. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking fat. Nathan was the, the only person who disagreed that Zachary was dead because so did Zach's mother, like we were talking about before. A very vicious psychic told her that her son was alive and well and he was living abroad. And she, of course, chose to believe this rather than the fact that her son had become stew meat. And the jury was also not convinced that he had murdered and sautéed Zach. So he was never convicted of his murder, but we fucking know he did it. I mean, that's a travesty. Um, so prosecutors ended up having to drop the murder and kidnapping charges against him because of Rachel Howard, Zach's mother, who was prepared to testify that she believed her son Zach is still alive. Mental. Yeah. Putting Christmas, I'm, like wrapping up Christmas gifts and putting them under the tree for years after the kid disappeared. I get it, man. I can't think of anything more horrendous. Like, would you want to believe that your 10-year-old had died such a horrific death and then was fed to like your, the people who she'll know, probably? I I think at that point, I would look at the evidence against him and I would want vengeance. I would want justice for my son. But Miss Miss Howard said her belief was partly based on a videotape. She said that shows her son at age 12. And this came from that psychic. Yeah, this psychic is a real piece of fucking shit. Con artist. It's like to prey on someone like that and like mess with their emotions. It's terrible. Rachel Howard said, quote, I did not want Bar Jonah to be convicted of a crime that I did not believe he did. Oh my God. He ate your son. And yeah. then he fed your son to others. It's so horrible. In the end, he was convicted of kidnapping, aggra- um, aggravated assault, and sexual assault of three boys, although it is well known that he was suspected of being a serial child murderer and a cannibal. He was sentenced to 130 years behind bars without the possibility of parole. Attorney Light said very passive-aggressively, I can't speak for other states, but in Montana, life without parole means life without parole. You can just see him like sticking, flipping the bird at like a Massachusetts there. It's like, <laughs> fuck you. Others in town wanting to take their own form of justice. One resident told the press that if Bar Jonah was released, his life wouldn't be worth a plug nickel around here. What's well, I could s- that, I'm surprised there wasn't mob justice beforehand, especially in a small town like this. I mean, it is the second biggest town in Montana. It's just we're getting, it's just he was the biggest nonce there. Yeah, he's probably the biggest nonce in all of America, to be fair. He's probably the biggest nonce of all time. 
Um, but you'd think like all these people are strapped, like they all have guns. You'd think one of them would have tried to take him out. He sat in Montana State Prison, maintaining his innocence, eating his scabs and wanking it when he did. He was probably pretty comfortable eating the gray meat that prisoners receive, which helped lead to the massive coronary he had on April the 13th, 2008, when he was found dead in his cell at the age of 51. I read that uh, he had actually, right before he died, had had his leg amputated due to complications from uh, diabetes. And it's not like, uh, you know, the genetic diabetes, obviously. It's the fat diabetes. The fat guy diabetes. The betus. (laughs) The betus got him. Still to this day, there are unidentified victims and unidentified bones. Up to 13 kids were. That's what they found in his house. There's no telling of the amount of kids' lives he ruined in and around Massachusetts, Wyoming, and Montana, but I'm sure all of them are grateful that they didn't end up being one of the pies that had the finger of Nathaniel Barth Jonah in it. But the most scary part of this story is because of all the apparent mistakes in the treatment of MVJ, Nathaniel Barth Jonah, it could easily happen again. Yeah, I mean, I I can't think of... Too many stories uh, about serial killers that, that, that had this many failures by law enforcement, police, judges, mental institutions. I mean, this guy got, he really did get lucky. Every single time, totally. But I mean, you know, if you think about it, K. Rambo, this is a cautionary tale on many levels. First of all, kids never trust a fat, sweaty adult man who collects toys. And parents yep. never accept an unidentifiable an unidentifiable meat dish from a fat, sweaty adult man who collects toys. Even if you do go to church, don't do it. And finally, I think this is the main takeaway. Don't post pics of child porn on Facebook groups. It wasn't child porn. It was a meme. (laughs) Sure. I think the Facebook judges will decide that. Um, People, this is episode 858 here, Sick and Wrong. We got some phone calls coming up next. You can call the Sick and Wrong hotline at 323-522-4032. But first, here's a quick message. D. Simon, Lance Wackerly. Some folks call them podcrafters. I call them assholes. Mm Mm-hmm. I reckon I better tell you my sick and wrong story. Mm Mm-hmm. I looked in the window and caught my mama working herself good with some sort of pussy toy. Mm-hmm. Some folks call it a rotating G-spot vibrating dildo from adamandeve.com. I call it a pussy toy, kind of shaped like a nanner. Mm-hmm. I guess my mama entered the code word diddle at checkout and got 50% off almost any item. Three free adult DVDs. And a gift so sensual, I can't even mention it. Mmm. I reckon I'll get back to my biscuits and mustard and jerking off to D and Lance. That's funny and queer, not funny, haha. So we got a few phone calls to get to here. 323-522-4032 is that number. Um, we got a three-parter phone call. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is like a three-part phone call from the Epic Farter. A three-parter from the Epic from Farter. The epic Farter. <laughs> yeah. Now this is uh, Epic Farters turned into quite the ladies' man recently. Oh, has he? Is he just searching for that? It's like Goldilocks, but with farts. He's just trying to find the most. Perfect I don't know. Farters. He's uh, he's Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo. That's what's happening right now. 
god. Yeah, here here it is. And just a trigger warning, it's really graphic, people. And the farts, I would imagine. The graphic sexual exploits of the epic farter. Here's part one. Ah, Dean Kate, epic farter here. Um, I think there was a question raised about my last call, about where this girl came from. Um, I went to primary school with, with her. Uh, Mum used to run the shop in the village where the school was. <gasps> Do you remember this? We The last time he called in, it's been a few months, but last time he called in, everyone's like, where'd you meet this bird? People were wondering like how he met this chick. So apparently, he's known her for a while. I was talking with this at the crew at work, and I just it reminded me of something because I had to ask you this question. If I said the word tuck shop to you, what do you think a tuck shop is? I would think it was like when men are transitioning into women, that's where they buy their special underwear to tuck their testicles in a between their shop. legs. Yeah, they, get, they go to a tuck shop to buy tuck panties. What Epic Fata was just describing was a tuck shop. So oh, is he transitioning? School, after, after school, uh, uh, primary or secondary, if like you were, I don't know, hanging out, maybe there was um, something on after school, like a club meeting, there would be a tuck shop for you where uh, there would be like just loads of fucking chocolate and like panda pops and those drinks. Oh, what are they called? Brits will know what I'm talking about. Where they come in like a plastic cup and it's got a plastic lid and you smack the straw in the top. They're like really a Capri cheap, Sun. No, it's not a Capri Sun. It's not a Capri Sun, mate. It's something completely different. Brits know hmm. what I'm talking about. And uh, hmm. I wonder if they have them in Australia. Cause Wait, are you talking about like an offie? No, it's a tuck shop because it only happens in a school and people, other people aren't allowed to go to a tuck shop. Just oh, kids. So it's like a little school offie. Kind of. Uh, sometimes the tuck shops would be managed by other kids. Other kids within the school would run the tuck shop. And it was a little bit of a mafia enterprise for them. My brother did the tuck shop and he took money off the side, for instance. Huh. All right. I kind of like my definition better. I do like your definition, but that is also what I predicted to the crew that you would say. I was like, he'll he'll say it's something to do with a tranny. <laughs> do you think if Epic Farter tucked his balls, he'd fart on his balls? Like if he tucked him between his legs? I definitely think that's how he wanks. <laughs> um, and we weren't like close, but we were in it's a small school in a tiny little village. Um, so yeah, we grew up together and then she went off and I went off and blah blah blah. So yeah, that's how we got together. Uh, wow. Sort of bumped heads again and started things um, in the friend zone um, as two single people. Um, so it happened. So she came over. We went up the pub. We had something to eat. We got. Whoa! This, so doesn't he live above a pub? I think he still does. Yeah. Okay, so he actually. Last time he called, I think he had just met her, so he hadn't actually hooked up with her yet. No, but they were talking about hooking up. So apparently, it happened. I pissed. Um, she uh, suggested that we go to bed. I had to abort. It was absolutely horrific. It was what? It was just horrible. It was like. Um, I think she's damaged. <laughs> what? Whoa. Wow. To actually, like, not go through with it? I mean, it must have been pretty awful. 
are we talking about a blue waffle scenario here or does he mean damaged as in i don't know she has like some ptsd because she saw her father murdered in front of her when she was six i think the latter i think there's some psychological damage okay i'm imagining a blue waffle at this moment in time (laughs) i mean i can see that like if if i had like you know pulled her panties down and it would look like a blue waffle yeah i would abort immediately you know who wouldn't abort and in fact would go through with it more than once and probably never say anything about it to her (laughs) never say anything maybe shag her a few times but then he would come on a podcast and tell everyone else oh and talk about it on the podcast yes joe (laughs) kelly there's only one way to say it i think she's damaged i think she's been abused because she's abused she was petrified. I mean, I'm not a little bloke. Um, I don't boast to have a big dick. Um, she mentioned that I don't think that's going to fit in there. Um, so she's obviously a bit frigid and tight. Um, well, warm her wasn't... up then. What the fuck? Well, I mean, I don't know. I have been. I have been with a couple girls that were. Initially, it was painful, but then, you know, then it was okay. But it was very, like, just kind of unnerving. Like, to me, it was like, are you enjoying this? Because... You put the time in, though. Where's the foreplay? Some chicks need way more foreplay than other chicks. You, you know, you go out, you light some candles, you put on some Telly Savalis. Maybe you like you get them on the bare skin rug, and you do that for, like, an hour as you talk about your hopes and dreams. By the end of that hour, soaking wet. Maybe you should have ripped a couple farts. I mean, would have turned her on. <laughs> that works just, for any chick. Just fart a Spice Girls song. You could do it. <laughs> no, but right I, I see where you're getting. Thank you very much. Where you're going with this, though, you do kind of have to like get the girl moist. You know, you got to work her. You got to work her up to it. So, like, oftentimes, I definitely like. I'm a big fan of moist. oral before you do the actual act because then you're ready to go. Yeah, oral. You've got to think of it this way. A woman is not a microwave. She's an oven. She needs time to warm up. And it's different. Some women are argers and are just like hot all the time, ready to go. Some women are like convection ovens and need, you know, 40 minutes. Just yeah, just you got to work up to it. And Don't oftentimes- be like, are you damaged? Be like, no, I'm going to make this my mission to make you soaking wet so you can take my like 12 inches of Indian cough. Well, I've learned through experience, too, that if you get the girl off, like, through foreplay, like, either with your fingers or your tongue or whatever, it's more likely that she's going to come from, like, uh, having actual sex. That is too. also true. And plus, you're, yeah, you're already, she'll like... She'll be ready for it. Yeah, you'll be ready. You, she'll be ready for it. And it's not like you're just kind of trying to shove your dick in there. So, I, I don't know. I'm not sure what happened here with the epic farter and her. There could be... I mean, she... For all he knows, could she be. could have been abused. And this is like, you know, triggering some kind of PTSD. I love that she's like, I don't talk about my big dick, but I bet she was like, sometimes you'll just be like saying it to a guy and be like, oh yeah, your dick is so big. When in reality, you're like, your dick's not big at all, mate. <laughs> you're just like wanting to give them a compliment so you can get it over with. I don't know how many times that's happened to Donald Trump. <laughs> Enjoyable. I, I had to give up. I said to her, look, I'm not feeling this. You're... You're obviously not relaxed. I don't want to pull force anything on you. Um, it must be <laughs> being under me. Must be like having a wardrobe fall on you with the key still stuck in the door. Um, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm a big lad, um, but I don't know. It, it was pretty horrible. Um, we went out the next day. We had a nice time. 
Um, I won't lie, I did try again because she was so keen on it, and she was like, oh, yeah. See, now that is kind of weird, too. So you had an unsuccessful sexual encounter, and then you hung out the next day and tried again? It's a bit awkward, isn't it? I'd, be, I'd probably just not want to see them again. If but if the, if the guy was just like, I, I got to stop, I can't do it, would you want to hang out again? Oh, no, my fragile ego would be bruised by that point. I'd be like, you don't want to have, what? You don't want to have sex with me? Well, I, I don't even know you exist. That's I would just be like, my I don't like waffles, especially blue ones. <laughs> For your birthday one year, I'm going to beat you blue waffles. <laughs> Can we sort of like hook up again and... Again, I just, I was like, no, 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 it's not going to work. I'm sorry. It just doesn't work. Um, Two so, times. Yeah, I, I spent the next day with her doing stuff, um, going out for the day and stuff, but it just didn't work. So, yeah, quite horrific. Um, but things have accelerated in a different direction now, uh, which I'll call you back in a minute about. So, uh, yeah, speak to you soon. Love you. Bye. So there's He's a part gay. two. Things have transpired, but in a different direction. Can I also say that I went to a tiny primary school in the middle of nowhere in a tiny, like, one-horse town. I can maybe name about two people from that primary school. I have, like, maybe I did get diddled when I was a child because I have, like, no childhood memories. I maybe you've repressed them drugs. all. I, no, I think it was drugs. I took drugs, at, like, a lot of drugs in a short space of time, and then for a long space of time, I smoked a lot of drugs. And it's just like eradicated a lot of my memories. I can't well, remember I mean, anyone I went to school with. It could make it could make sense that you were diddled as a child because you know, as an adult, you're posting, you know, pics of child <laughs> porn to Facebook, and maybe you're it acting was, out. It was a meme, right? <laughs> okay, it's a meme of Sean Benet Ramsey. That's it. She's that's not, not what Facebook in it. thinks. <laughs> that's not what fa- that's not what Mark Zuckerberg thinks. All right, here's part two. Ah, uh, D&K, epic fart, are back again with the second part. So I'll try and keep this as brief as possible. Um, I go to a coffee wagon. Um, so there's a little tuk-tuk at the side of the road regularly. Um, there's a girl that I met there who is married. Wait, a coffee wagon? You know, it just, it's like... Um, like a cart. We like past, a... We, yeah, it's a coffee cart. Okay, like a coffee cart, all right. Yeah. A while ago, I haven't seen her for quite a long time. She appeared out of the blue. Oh, brilliant. It's you. She goes, oh, I miss you. She said, uh, I'm getting a divorce. We need to hook up. When are we going out for a meal? I was like, oh, fuck, okay. Uh, she's a petite, 37-year-old, size eight. Uh, looks a bit like a sort of naughty librarian. She's got that look it's about not her me. big glasses. D. Nice. D, I swear to Christ, it's not me. You know, it sounds like you. He just described me, and it's You're not petite. me. You kind of got that librarian thing. Wait, what coffee wagons have you been hanging out at lately? None. I don't even leave my house. It's not me. <laughs> I swear. No, no meat on the bones. Bugger all there. Um, but she's quite cute in her little way. She's got some real funky little uh, tattoos. Um, yeah, quite a quirky little girl. So, yeah, we hooked up. We've been out for a few times. Um She's talking to me about, she wants a fuck buddy, all that lot. Um, unfortunately, though, she said, I, I want you as a friend. She goes, I don't want to be that. I don't want it to be a problem. I said, well, Wait a second. So she's telling you that she wants a fuck buddy, 
and he's being very forward with this. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, but I actually want you as a friend instead. Maybe, or maybe she means it, we'll, we'll only be friends. Like it's never going to be anything like more after this. Cause but I'm friends with benefits. And I hate men. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So she's establishing the boundary. I think so. Either that or she shagged him a few times wasn't for her. He, maybe he farted in front of her and she's like, no, that's it. We're friends now. That's, I hate men. It's over. Okay. So me being a good friend, I thought, well, I've got a good mate. I can, I know what she likes. She likes, she likes older men, uh, gray hair, a bit more buff than me. I'm obviously a bit rotund. Oh, um, right. So she did. She spinned him off. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So she did friend zone him and then he's hooking her up with somebody. Yeah, that is quite good of him, really. He's like, yeah, he's wanting to be custard bros with someone else. Yeah, but isn't that kind of Would weird? Would you do that? I don't think like I'd it... hook up an ex with that. Well, I guess she's not really an ex. Somebody yeah, you'd you know, I like probably would. Like if JoJo would. did that with you, would you just be like, yeah, she was straight after JoJo had just been there? Well, what do you mean if me and Joe, if I hooked up with a girl and then JoJo hooked up with her? Like, no, if like if there's the same scenario, say Jojo had been seeing this girl, he decided it wasn't for her and then immediately suggested you to go out. I think it's a bit stirring the porridgey. Like it, the last stick in her would have been Jojo's and then the next stick in her would have been yours. It's a bit like, you know. Yeah, I'm not too into the sloppy seconds. I would probably want at least, a you know, a couple dudes in between. Yeah, a couple more like. Yeah, a couple, some time to elapse and then. Right. I'll go there. But I don't know. I still find it kind of odd to have dated a girl that my friend dated. Although me and JoJo have dated the same uh, two girls, I think. Yeah, yeah, you have. You've yeah. talked about them both. But, I mean, it, it happens when you live in, like, a small town, even with, like, a smaller, like, San Francisco, especially then, an even smaller scene. So exactly. it's, you know, it happens. I was sorting her out. Like, right, okay, I'll get you to meet with this guy. It was, it was a few weeks away. Um... She was obviously getting a bit frustrated. Um, we went out for a, I don't know, three or four times. And we're out having this meal, um, having drinks. She was suffering a bit of stress from the divorce. Um, and she started to get really pissed. And then she starts getting closer. And then she starts getting all funny with me and like, sort of like touching my knee and stuff. And I thought, oh, well, here we go, here we go. And she's like, Oh, I don't want to go home tonight because she still lives with her ex. I'm like, right, okay. I've got a spare room. I said, if, to help you out, if you need to go somewhere, you can stay at mine. So that's convenient. He's got the uh -huh. he's got the fuck pad. <laughs> I wonder if he's got like a lava lamp in there, some blacklight posters. <gasps> he's got a circular bed with satin sheets. It's a oh, water yeah. bed too, and then above that is a mirror. When I was a tw when I was twelve, that was my dream bedroom with like zebra or um leopard print satin sheets on a round waterbed with a mirror above it that's what i thought was chic i bet you I, you know i bet you he does have like some kind of like sex pad like that just he's got like aside, handcuffs um can you remember the craze for inflatable furniture did you ever have inflatable furniture no i was never a fan but my friend my friend kessler only had inflatable furniture <laughs> Like I remember Wasn't going he to this a place. Buster, though? Yeah, and it was never fully inflated. Like it was, there's always like a leak in it. So it's like, I remember going to this place, being like, "Dude, why don't you buy real furniture? This is probably mid aughts, maybe." 
that's exactly when no i would say it was before that because Maybe i was earlier. about yeah actually yeah 15 16 i had an inflatable pink neon pink chair and i used to i used to remember smoking weed in it and i was only smoking like um resin at the time so you know you'd get hot rocks that would just ruin your clothes and that's how my inflatable chair died yeah i found it really weird like his his parents were loaded and rented out this like it was like almost two levels, this apartment in the Lower East Side, which must have cost a lot of money. I mean, this would have been like 2003, 2004. And I don't know if he just like, if his parents gave him money to buy furniture and he just kept the money and spent it on drugs and just bought inflatable furniture. It, it was super popular at the time. He probably thought, yeah, that's cool. You know, it was also that, remember those fiber optic lights that looked like aliens and it had all the the things oh, coming out yeah 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 i remember that too and you could touch them and play with them i had to like, like two the of tesla them. coil i'm gonna get thing. one of them yeah, i used to love flicking through the argos catalog and going to the light yeah. section specifically spencer get gifts. a fiber optic light watch me yeah cool get in a car get her home um said i'll sort your bed out blah 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 and then she's like oh you got any more wine okay some more wine yeah yeah so got some wine sorted out and um she started to like look at me funny and she was like do you think it would fuck up our friendship if we fucked and I'm like oh shit here we go here we go no no and I said look, look, look I don't want to ruin our friendship don't so do something gallant. you regret, regret you're pissed um that's just you know let's just call it quits and go to bed and uh, I'm out of time I'm gonna have to call you back with the next bit alright hold, hold there there is a part three, so there's a bit of a cliffhanger here. But, dude, you're you're hanging out with a divorcee. She probably hasn't been late in, like, months. Yes. You hit it. Yes. Why not? <laughs> hit. Get that schliz. Get in there. <laughs> Get in there. <laughs> yeah, like, I think you should be going after the schliz in this situation. Yeah. All right, here's part three. friendship. Yeah. Friends with benefits. Epic farter back for the next bit. Sorry it's going on a bit. I'm trying to keep it as brief as possible, but I need to give you all the story. So, yeah, so took another sip of wine, and then she took the wine up out of my hands, put hers on the side, uh, stood up, and said, fuck me, Pep. Um, we'll give a bit away there. So, yeah, Pep, Pep's my nickname. She said, Wait, Peb or Peg? Pev, I thought you said P-E-V. Oh, Pev. Yeah, huh. a pevophile. <laughs> He's a pevophile. <laughs> a pev, okay. All right, well, sounds like uh, the brown chicka brown cow music is starting to play. <laughs> I want you to fuck me. Oh, Jesus Christ. I was a bit pissed as well. I obviously gave in. She's like, rip my clothes off and fuck me. So with that, her, clothes, her dress came off. There was the smallest little frame, the smallest little white pair of panties, the smallest little bra I've ever seen, the cutest little tattooed body. What's a guy to do? He's got to do it, hasn't he? Well, yeah, the next no minute, choice. she's fucking bouncing up and down on me on the sofa, fucking flailing around all over the place, grinding the fuck out of me. I'm thinking, Jesus, this is like all my Christmases come at once. Then she slips, her knee slips off the sofa. She headbutts me and the sofa. And fucking nearly, nearly breaks us both. I'm like, fuck. And she's like, ah, oh, fucking hell. And she fucking grabs me cock again, puts it back in, starts bouncing up and down on me like a lunatic. I felt like a fucking rodeo. And she's wild, this one. 
it, this is drunk shagging, isn't it? When you keep falling off the cock and getting and back on, jumping like back it's, on, like it is a like it is a Brooklyn bunko. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was epic. Then she fucking climbs off because obviously all that excitement. I'm not going to lie, I did go off. Um, she's still fucking dripping. Stood there looking at me on the sofa. She's like, "We need to go." <laughs> I told you it was really graphic. <laughs> oh no. It's almost sexier hearing about Nathaniel Barjona <laughs> jumping up and down on a toddler's chest. That's what I'll be thinking about later. Bedroom. Oh, okay. She's butt naked, tiny frame, grabs my hand, takes me up the stairs, and basically rides me for the fucking whole night. I am in my element. Uh, her ass is tiny, her pussy's tight. It's fucking awesome. Is he fucking a child? <laughs> this, well, is, this is how pedophiles must describe their victims to other pedophiles. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know. Did her pubic hair look like, you know, like a uh, Like it was drawn on. Cut? <laughs> like a wisp of hair framing a paper cut? Paper cut. Is that, no, what, is that how just, Bill Hicks described it? I, I, that's I'm, Bill Hicks about the, the chewing gum teenagers. Yeah, I yeah, ain't yeah. looking at them thinking about chewing gum. <laughs> I think that's what he said. Her pussy was so tight. It was like it was like a wisp of cotton candy framing a paper cut. Paper that's cut. what it was. Well, I mean, this chick had drawn on her pubes of a sharpie <laughs> just to come. <confuse laughs> she didn't have any. <laughs> Probably one of the best experiences I've had in, in my life. It was just bonkers, literally bonkers. Um. Everything's groovy between us. We're friends. Uh, the, she hooked up with my mate, who's now stirring my porridge. Um, hey. Apparently, even though I said to him, look, she just wants to fuck buddy, you can't fall in love with her. He's fell in love with her. So I'm still seeing her as a friend. But well, They're like Eskimo bros. They're completely Eskimo bros. Yeah, like recent Eskimo bros. That's weird. Yeah, now he he loves that pussy that his mate's dick has just been in. He's very Shakespearean at this point. Yeah, I was about to say. This is a a Chaucer poem now. It has has transcended Shakespeare and gone into Chaucer. But I think it's going to be like a Shakespearean-level conflict. Oh, I would love it. (laughs) She's with my mate. Um, My mate and I have got a good understanding. He knows I'm not going to do anything. But there's always that little bit of me that's thinking... If she flips up with him, she's going to come back for some more. Oh, come on. If you're hanging out with her and same scenario happened, you'd totally go there again. Don't you think so? Regardless of your mate. Yeah, of course he would. Like, all men would. Men but and the, dogs. But then there might be a duel. I would never, like, once I shagged a guy and, like, moved on, they're honestly dead to me. There's, like, a few, there's only, like, maybe two exes I still, like, entertain you do the a idea. rewind? Oh, like, no, like, I would never go back. Ever, ever. Once, like, that, once that, like, door, I'm like a, a castle with a moat. Once the sex door comes up, that's it. It's never coming down again. You're officially, like, you are banned from the sex castle. <laughs> um, and I might have to give in and do that again. But, uh, See? yeah, that's how I it's going. It. Um, it's been about a month since then, so it's all gone a bit dry, but... I've got a few camper van things to go to, so fingers crossed, I will get my dick wet again. Um, <laughs> take it easy, guys. I love you. I hope you find this fun. 
<laughs> Epic what? farter in a saga of getting his dick wet. Wow. I don't know. What's this that? this sounds like there might be a duel. Like a, a, well, a duel in winklers. Possibly. <laughs> I, I yeah, well, okay, what happens? This, this this is a good question there, Kate Rambo. What happens, Epic Farter, if she's like I want you and your mate to fuck me at the same time. I think he would do it. I mean, you think Epic he would do it? would be up for it. Yeah, why not? I think there were, I think there's obviously going to be some rules. Like maybe she could uh, suck the cock of one while being fucked by the other. I don't think Epic Farter would want like balls to meet. You don't think there'd be double penetration? I don't think so. I think one of them would say no double penetration, but it's fine if you suck his cock while I fuck you from behind. That sounds like that might actually happen. What would you do, Epic Farter, if that situation arose? I think it is going to arise. <laughs> <laughs> he's saying he's going to these camper van things. Are they like swinging events? I thought that's where he goes and he fishes, doesn't he? And farts? In his camper van? Well, is it like, is it like where you go and camp out? Like the, the camping sites? Is he just hitting on all the single people who are there? Maybe it's like a singleton event. That's why I'm saying, is it a swingers event? Is he a swinger? I don't think he's a swinger. I think it's like, you know, don't they have like, I don't know, like singles groups that go out and it's just, it's a mixer. Possibly, but I've never heard of one where you go out and camp. To me, that would seem like it's kind of like, that's going to invite rapists. Well, I know he's called in the past and he's gone with his mates and they've camped and they fish. And they fart and they drink. Yeah. yeah, but there's never been schliz there, has there? I don't know if there's been schliz at those events, but I don't know. It sounds like he wants to get his dick wet again, though. He had a taste of it. <laughs> that divorcee poon. Lois getting that dick wet. Does that fuck fart it? <laughs> what, okay, what happened to the, the woman you traumatized? Like, did she, oh, yeah, did she find out that you're with the divorcee now? Do you still see her in the village? He must still see it. Oh my God, primary school. I, I don't think I could even name more than five people who I went to primary school with. They're pretty much all dead to me. I, I wouldn't know anybody either at this point. You, what do you call it? Kindergarten. Elementary school. Elementary school. But I went to so, primary school. Oh yeah, because I forget. Yeah. Uh, because you're African. I, I am African, yes. You are an African-American. Every time Epic Farter calls, there's almost more questions that come out come up you know so um look forward to hearing from you again and i'm glad you're doing yeah. well and i'm glad you got your dick wet every I, I think it's good i think it's i think it's good for the uh for the ego it is although if he was to read that transcript out in car i think he would be guilty of child pornography just as much as i am yeah misery loves company there k rambo hey um we got one email real quick uh chandra wrote us she said greetings from pdx Wondered if Steele kept a googly eye, um, in parentheses, presumably heard mention on FTB episode, out for Gordy P. Bagalki's obituary. Um, he died in May this year. If on a Patreon entry, I will renew on Friday. Keep it safe, keep it wrong, Chandra. You know, Chandra, we actually haven't had Steele on the show since uh, Bagalki died. And I can't believe none of them went to his funeral, though. I know. Even my friend uh, Jason, Jason didn't even go either, which I was really shocked about. I 100%. For the whole time they talk about him on FTV, that at least Martin would have gone. Well, maybe Martin did go. No, at least like one of them 
to go check it out. I, I'm, I'm kind of shocked. I would if I was in Bay City, I would have gone just because the guy's such a legend, and then I would have just like taken mid reels the whole time. <laughs> yeah, you're really you know? good at the reels. So yeah, I, think I would it, have been. I think it could have gone viral. Yeah, would for you have sure. gone there and just been like nuts? <laughs> I think um, we should have Steel on the Patreon, though, on the second show in the next couple of weeks, because I want to ask him about the uh, the the death of Bagalki. Well, I definitely need to speak to Steel soon because there's been so much happening in the wrestling world, and only only me and Steel can talk about it. And you need to sit and listen to it. So we'll have to catch up with him soon. Yes. Yeah, maybe the next couple of weeks. On the Patreon so, for sure. Anyway. Um, I do want to thank all the listeners, though, who support us on Patreon. Um, if, and if you do sign up, you know, you, you get access to a whole second show. And uh, we do have guests on there from time to time. Um, I know you're, you have a big interview planned for next week. I do. So, uh, hopefully uh, it'll as, all work out. You'll hear about that next week. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully that happens. Get a little crazy on the Patreon. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Sign up today and uh, help us keep it sick and wrong. Uh, also, uh, T Public. Man, we've been selling a lot of shirts on TeePublic. I know we don't make barely any money from it, but I think it's kind of cool that people are buying the Sick and Wrong merch. Yeah, I love it because it is just like, it's just like free advertisement, but it's also just fucking cool. I would love to walk around in real life and see somebody in a Sick and Wrong t-shirt. You know, I've, I've had that happen a couple times. It's rare. I mean, you know, it's, it, it is rare, but uh, I think it'd be great to see someone walking around with a Stinkor shirt. Oh, it would be even better if you saw somebody in a sick and wrong t-shirt and in their hands is an assault rifle and they're inside a school and maybe they're shooting inside the school and you see it. I mean, we, we can all dream, Kate Rambo. We can all I, dream. That's my dream. Anyway, if you are planning a school shooting, best place to go to uh, buy apparel is the Sick and Wrong Tea Public Store. Just go to sickandwrongpodcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope. Uh, finally, here's Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. This kind of, you know, I was I wanted to play a song by this band anyway because uh, when we were in Amsterdam, like a month ago or so, um, I ended up buying this record at uh, this this record shop that your friend recommended. Uh, two friends recommended this to me, so thanks to Kim and to Greg who both messaged and said go to this uh, record store. I and can't we recall. Did. We the, both spent money. I can't recall the name of the place. I can't recall the names of any of the places that we went to, but we spent money in every, the, pretty much every record store we went in. They were all great. I mean, it was really, I was kind of stunned. Like, you know, there, there's certain records I look for, but I found the uh, an original version of uh, Scratch Acids, The Greatest Gift, which uh, came out in uh, 1991. Great record, vinyl pristine. And the first song off of it is a song called Cannibal. Now, uh, so which is perfect for to end the show with uh, this week. But Scratch Acid was an Austin, Texas noise rock group formed in uh, 1982, and one of the uh, and I mean they're one of the, the originators of the noise rock genre in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, but it was the 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 first band for um, Jesus Lizard frontman David Yao. So David Yao and the bass player from Lizard uh, Jesus Lizard uh, David Sims were both in Scratch Acid. So this is kind of like their their stepping stone. I always forget about them whenever like people say like Texas rock. They always just like slip my mind because you just don't think of them as being very Texas. You Did, know what I mean? To me, they're so like Californian in a lot of ways. I could see people. People always think they're from Chicago because the Wax Tracks and all those bands like uh, yeah. Albini bands and all that. And Jesus Lizard came out in Touch and Go, 
which was yeah, uh, yeah. you know Midwestern. So people always say that, but then Scratch Acid started in Austin, Texas. All part of that weird noise scene with like the Butthole Surfers and uh, and all those bands. And, and they used to play with the with the Surfers a lot. But, I was about to say Bongwater as well. Great band. Yeah, yeah, Bongwater, another great band. But Scratch Acid is an amazing band, and if you like the Jesus Lizard, you you'll love Scratch Acid. It's a lot more raw. Than uh, an unpolished than the lizard. Anyway, we're gonna end the show here with uh, Scratch Acid's Cannibal. People will be back next week with episode eight fifty nine. Till then, take it sleazy. Second Wrong Podcast, you might as well be dying.